Welcome to the Ginghamsburg Podcast. After today's message, take a second to download the Ginghamsburg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Ginghamsburg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step in your journey with Jesus. Good morning. Very warm welcome to you. My name is Dennis, one of the pastors here. And I greet you in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 23. We are looking today at Jesus' word to the Pharisees and to each of us. And so I invite you to turn there. And as you're turning there, allow me to say that you're the only Jesus some may ever see. And you're the only words of life some may ever read. So let them see in you the one in whom is all they'll ever need. You're the only Jesus some will ever see. We live in the age of the counterfeit, the substitute, in the age of Photoshop, in the age of virtual reality. What's real and what's not? Hair color to hide the fact that you're pretty much gray up top. Artificial nails to hide that you really bite them off. Sweet and low for sugar, vinyl for leather. What's real and what's not? Years ago, my wife and I were in Los Angeles, and we visited Hollywood Studios, Universal Studios. How many have been to Universal Studios in Hollywood or in Florida? And you know you go to different very unique, engaging theaters and exhibits. And we walked into this exhibit. It's no longer there, but it ran for several years, entitled Terminator 2 3D. Anyone here ever been to that? I know it's an amazing show. You go into this theater, and you put on 3D glasses, and you just take it all in, and immediately things come to life. And I started to ask the question as I'm looking at the screen now, things are happening all around in 3D. Is it real or not? And all of a sudden, to my shock, a large boulder came out from the screen and just buzzed my head. And I felt, wow, my, my chest was about ready to explode of a heart attack. I mean, it's the big one, Elizabeth, so to speak, you know? And then I left stumbling out of that theater and I was asking in a dazed way, was that real or not? Every single day, Gingsburg Church, hundreds, no thousands of cars travel north and south on I-75, and as they pass the Gingsburg sign, as they look over and they see the avenue, as they see our sign, as they see our facilities, perhaps some of them are asking, now, are they real over there, or are they not? Do they really love God? Do they really love Jesus? Do they really believe God's Word? Do they really love people? Is this simply a Sunday game they play, or is this real life? And I want you to know that I've come to the place in my own life where I realize that my life is far too short and important to spend it playing a phony game of make-believe spirituality. One of the characteristics of a New Testament church, and certainly should be our church, is that we just need to be real, authentic, normal people, not trying to put on a show. That's a challenge. 
for us. And that challenge is not new. It was a challenge for people 2,000 years ago. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 23, had a word to very religious folks, to a group of individuals who were scholars of the law of Moses. They were known for their spirituality and, quote, their holiness, and they wore it on their sleeve. They were called the Pharisees. They were a group of religious scribes in the first century, and they would do their very best to let people know of their religious standing and order in their society and the way they dressed and the way they acted. And Jesus said, you look good on the outside, but inside it's empty. And so he has some words to them. Seven woes in this chapter. Woe to you, he says. And he calls them hypocrites eight times. So again, if you have your Bibles, I want to just highlight a few. I want to encourage you to read the whole chapter. I'll just highlight a few. You'll get the picture. He does this several times, seven exactly. But let's look at verse 25. You can follow along to verse 28. Jesus said that. Here's an example. Jesus. This is the words of Jesus. This is the word, not the Jesus meek and mild here. You'll see. He says this, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First, clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. He says, verse 27, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. Now tell us how you really feel, Jesus, <laughs> right? What side of the bed did you wake up on, Jesus? It's not the Jesus that we simply often think of when we think of a, a painting on the wall of Jesus cradling the lambs in his arms. And that is the Jesus that we know and love. But this is also the Jesus, a full picture of Jesus. Now let me just unpack that word hypocrite. Now, we use it in our society today, but actually it's not a new word. It's not a modern word in English. In fact, it goes all the way back to the Hellenized world, to the Greek world. Remember, Jesus lived in first century Palestine, and uh, the, the whole region had, had, uh, had assumed the culture of Alexander the Great years before, and, and now the Roman uh, government was in charge, had taken on that culture, and that was the era in which Jesus lived. And this word was a Greek word, hypocrite, which literally meant one who is play-acting, one wearing a mask. Now, Jesus, we can assume, was familiar with the Greek culture, although he was apart from that, being a Jew, he would have been surrounding, he would have known his surrounding area, and he would have understood what was going on. And he would have actually, to the surprise of some of you, had an understanding, we believe, of Greek theater. We see that because Matthew points it out in the language that he's using. Now, let me give you some information that may bring more light to his understanding of the culture and the reason he would have used a word like this from the Greek theater. Jesus was a Galilean. Jesus was raised in the lower Galilee region of Nazareth. 
just southwest of the Sea of Galilee. As far as we know, historians tell us that Nazareth was a Jewish community of about 200 individuals. But it was actually a suburb of a larger city, a pagan city, a Greek city, that's not referred to much in our tradition, but yet it was there, we know it, it's been discovered, called Sephorus. It was a large city. It was, the, it was the center of the Galilee, the center of commerce and business, and it had a population of about 25,000. Since the turn of the 20th century, there's been a lot of archaeology and digs done in this area. And if you go today to Israel, you can visit this area and all the sites there. It was three miles northwest of Nazareth. Many of the Jewish men who worked found work in Sephorus. It would have been a three-mile journey. Remember, Joseph was a tecton, the Greek says, a carpenter, which a better translation of that Greek word would be stonemason. So he worked on building. He was a builder. Jesus would have assumed that as well. So perhaps Jesus worked in Sephorus. Now, for those who are from Miami County and know Miami County well, let me give an example. You've heard of the village of Castown. Anybody here from Castown this morning? Castown, according to Wikipedia, is around in population 267. Troy has a population of a little over 25,000 the seat of business and government for the county. Most people who live in Castown, three miles away, don't spend all their time in Castown. <laughs> Most come into Troy for shopping, for food, for business. That is the main place of work and life. The same was true with these early Jews. They would have been very familiar with this city in the Galilee. In 1931, archaeologists discovered the theater in Sephorus. It is a theater today that you can visit. It's, there's still work being done around there. It set 4,000 people. And so this was the heart of the culture. Did Jesus ever work on this theater or Joseph? Oh, we don't know that. But, but we see that he's using terms out of the Greek culture. And, of course, the New Testament was written in Greek. So here we have a word from the Greek theater, hypocrite, which means one who's wearing a mask. The symbol of the Greek theater was the two-faced mask. Have you seen that before? Right? Greek actors were called hypocrites. Now, this was not a negative word at that time. It was not a positive word. It just was a neutral word. Because they were one who wore mask. A Greek actor would often play several characters in a play. In fact, in some dramas, it would just be one actor on the stage. They would change characters in the drama by doing what? 
by changing the mask. Kind of like a Tyler Perry or an Adam Sandler in a film in which he would play several parts of, in, in, in the movie and play different characters in the movie. And this is what was happening here. So since actors wore different masks, it was not their real self. That was their outer self, but they were not really showing the true self. Jesus says in verse 5 of these Pharisees, everything they do is for show. That's why a hypocrite was called a two-faced. Today we have that phrase in our culture, right? You're two-faced, right? You're acting one way, and then you're acting another way, pretending, perhaps. Jesus was calling these religious people out. He was saying, it's time for you to drop the mask and just be real. And that is a characteristic that needs to be part of not just every church, but especially our church today. That God wants us here at Gingsburg and individually just to be real. I want to give you two take-homes today as we are journeying through this new season in our lives. Simply this. Here's how we can get real. Number one, live what you claim to believe. Let's look together at James chapter 1, verse 22. Would you read this with me from the screen? Let's read it together so I don't feel all alone up here today. Do not merely listen to the word, do what it says. Now that word listen, the Greek word there, is actually a word in which we get our English word audit. How many here have ever audited a class in college or heard about auditing a class? What do you do when you audit a class? You don't really take tests, right? You just kind of sit in. You just kind of listen. And what James is saying here is this. Do not merely listen to the word. Do what it says. Do what it says. Live it. And that's a challenge. How many of us, we, we live it on Sunday. We live it in, in group life with our Jesus friends. But then Monday through Saturday, we live another. You know what a good modern-day definition of a hypocrite is? One who complains about all the profanity and the violence and the sex and all that on their demand channel. You get it. Think about that. Or on their DVD player. Now, now aren't all of us just a bunch of hypocrites at times? Let's be real. But as we walk with the Lord... Over time, God begins to work on our hearts, and our walk ought to match much more of our talk. Um, yeah, absolutely, and we stress it often, God accepts us in his unconditional love the way we are. Amen? But he doesn't want to keep us where we are. <laughs> we are being conformed by the power of the Holy Spirit into the likeness of Christ. Hopefully, you're not the same person as you, was, you were yesterday. You're more loving and you're, you're more understanding and more forgiving. You have more of the fruits of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. God is changing on you. And so it's one thing to practice what you preach, but it's another thing to preach what you practice. Amen? Think about that.
That's why we all need the grace of God. Let's look together at 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. I'd rather see a sermon here one any day. I'd rather one walk with me than merely show the way. Actions speak much louder than all the words can say. That's why I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Am I the only one in the house that believes that? <laughs> yeah, preacher, I want to hear one, but I want to see one as well. I want to see one. And so God is calling us to drop the mask. I, heard, I saw a cartoon years ago of a pastor, and this pastor was a male in the cartoon, with his wife, and they were at home, and they just had an argument at home. Now, some of you are wondering, what's Pastor Dennis like? Does he ever have an argument with Rachel at home? I like to say, we never argue, we just have intense moments of Christian fellowship. <laughs> we argue sometimes. But in this cartoon, there was a wife with her hands on her hips, and she was saying, hey, I've got an Novel idea. How about this week we change things up? You be charming at home and grumpy at church. <laughs> Woo. That's one thing I'm working at. You see, I want people to say, does he live that way at home, Rachel, than he does at church? Because my wife, has, she has to hear these sermons twice on Sunday. You don't have to hear them once. And I want her to see the same guy on this stage as she sees at home. Amen? Now, I fail sometimes at that. But I'm working on that with the power of the Spirit. We all are together. God is working on us. And so to being real, being authentic means that we allow the Holy Spirit to continue the transforming work in our lives. That we begin to live what we say we believe, what we claim to believe. That's the first part, just being real. Secondly is this, and this is only a two-part message today. It's this, be authentic. Resist comparing yourself to other people. Great verse here, Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. Let everyone be sure that he or she is doing his very best. Then he or she will have the personal satisfaction of work well done and won't need to compare himself to someone else. It's a sad thing to compare yourself to someone else, isn't it? Because when you do that, it's going to lead to one or two things. You're going to find people that you feel that you're stronger than in some way or better than, and that leads to pride. And if you're honest, you'll look around and you'll see people who are stronger than you or better than you in certain areas, whether it be your work or whether it be a sports, and that leads to envy. There comes a place where, it, and it's freeing too, when we get to the place where we just accept who we are and allow God to take us where he wants us to be. And that was freeing for me. You know, I realized a long time ago, I can't walk in the shoes of another preacher. <laughs> Because I got to walk in my own shoes. And it was very freeing to me when I came to, and the Holy Spirit revealed this, even about Gingsburg Church, you come in this great, we've had a history, a line of great leadership. Amen. I'm standing on the shoulders of others, and I know it. I know it, I know it, I know it. And I'm grateful to serve with our staff in this moment of history for such a time as this. But here's what I know. 
The Holy Spirit revealed to me that I cannot be Mike Slaughter. I cannot be Rachel Billups. I cannot be George Acevedo or Chris Heckman. I can, as great as they are, I cannot be Billy Graham, Chuck Swindoll, Robert Schuller, or you name the person. All you've got stuck with is a tall, chubby preacher who rides a motorcycle. I have a beautiful wife and an ugly golf swing. That's who I am. And I rejoice in that. I rejoice in that. Thanks be to God. God takes great delight in watching you be you. The words of, of God at Jesus' baptism, this is my beloved son. I'm pleased with you. Now, of course, that was a personal word to Jesus, no doubt. But yet, in a sense, God says in Christ, you are my beloved daughter. I'm pleased with you. You are my beloved son in Christ. I'm pleased with you. Over the past 30 years, I've had a lot of professional titles. People say, well, what do you want to be called? People have called me Pastor Dennis, Pastor Miller, Reverend Miller. Some have called me Dr. Miller. Some have called me Reverend Dr. Dennis Miller. <laughs> Some have called me things that, through email that I can't say in this very room. <laughs> you can just call me Dennis, by the way. But, but if I have to take one title, it's this one. It's found in the Gospel of John. I want to take you to it because I hope you can take this for yourself as well. You're going to, you're going to love this. It's John chapter 21. You're going to learn something today. John chapter 21, verse 20. Let's look at this scripture. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Now here's the question. Who was the disciple that Jesus loved? Just shout it out if you know it. John. Who wrote John 21, 20? Did you get it? John was writing this about himself. This was not an ego trip, but he knew it. I pray that we come to the place where we can actually sing the children's song, Jesus loves me, this I know. And we know it, and we believe it, and we receive it. God just wants us to be real. You know what I would love about Gingsburg Church? I would love for this to be a place that when you gather in here all once in a while, you'll be in those moments and you'll just start hearing Greek theater mask hit the floor. People saying, enough with this religious junk. I just got to be real. And I'd love for us to come together as normal, everyday, imperfect people, but looking to Jesus, standing under the shadow of the cross, because I'm more determined any time in my life to grasp hold the hands of those who are in the foxhole with me. And to say, yes, world, no perfect people allowed, because first of all, I'm here. <laughs> but our eyes are fixed on Jesus. And today around this place, we're just going to be real. And you know what I would love for our community to say about this church? 
from West Milton to Piqua to Troy, Tip City, Vandalia, New Carlisle, even Castown. That Gingsburg Church, they're just real. They're just real. Authenticity is refreshing, isn't it? Amen? And it's what this world's looking for. Let's be that kind of place. Lord God, I thank you and praise you for these real people that come together in this Jesus movement looking for a better way. I thank you that all of us stand in the shadow of the cross and we realize that we were guilty enough to crucify Jesus. But I thank you, Lord, that's not the end of the story for any of us when we repent, when we turn from ourselves and we turn to our eyes and focus and depend on Christ. And I pray today if there's someone that feels that they're living all kinds of lives, wearing all kinds of masks, that they'll drop them and they'll just come to you. Let us always be a church. It's authentic. May we always be real. For we pray this in the mighty name, in the everlasting name, in the name of Jesus, Christ our Lord and Savior. And if you believe it today, would you say amen? I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you'd like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Ginghamsburg app or online at ginghamsburg.org.